The audio from today's episode is from No Putts Given, our new weekly YouTube show. Check it out at youtube.com slash mygolfspy. All right, once again, we've got our guy Harry Nibel over here, All-American Golfer and Director of Soft Goods Testing inside My Golf Spy. we got Sam Robinson, Director of Hard Good Testing and Golfer of the Year. At one point in my life. Yes, and I'm Adam Beach. So today we're going to discuss, first and foremost, the winner from this week at the Memorial, and that's Patrick Cantlay. Um, those that aren't familiar, this was the number one amateur in the world and a serious contender to become one of the big names in golf. Uh, that being said, you know, he got hit with some really unfortunate events, one being the fact that he broke his spine, uh, and he did that on the driving range swinging, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, we've all swung hundreds, if not thousands, upon tens of thousands of swings on the range, and you don't go out there. You don't ever expect to break your back on the driving range. No. So not only that, but uh, his best friend and caddy also got hit, uh, killed in a hit-and-run accident, which set him back, both the injury and that, and you know, compounded on each other to where he took a couple years off from the tour and really struggled to get back from the injury, um, you know, which everyone that's had an injury that's away from their sport that they love can understand can be really hard on you. But I think it's it seems to have galvanized him in a couple ways. He seems more dedicated, um, more mature at a younger age probably because yeah. of the yes, situation he's, yeah. you know, the experience he's had to deal with. And let's face it, I mean, he was a number one amateur. And he's super hot right now. You know, he's not winning three tournaments in a row, but let's, he's got a T9 at the Masters, T3 at Heritage, T3 at the PGA, and he just won the Memorial. So Big tournament. I don't know if there's a hotter golfer out there, really, that you don't know that much about. Right. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I agree. He's really, you know, coming out. And, you know, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Is he going to be one of those household names in the industry, like the, the Thomases and the Spieths and, and guys like that? And I think if he can secure a major here pretty soon, U.S. Open's coming up, British Open's still all, you know, on the docket. If he can take one of those, he's yeah, going to be right that, there with the best. That story as well, that coming out from starting off as a pro and then breaking his back and his obviously best friend dying, that story, if he comes up and keeps winning, I mean, I don't think there's just as good a story as Tiger's comeback, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, what was also interesting was a few things. One was that it was the lowest final round score ever by a winner at this event, which, you know, when anytime you have the best score, you know, uh, it's a pretty big deal. And it was fueled by a 5.14 strokes gain tee to green on Sunday, which was the most of any player in the field. Um, looking at it as what's in the bag, it is a bag full of titles, meaning driver to ball, all titles. The interesting things that we can take away from that is the fact that he's playing a 917 D2 driver. Uh, from titles from back in 2017, and a 915F titleist fairway wood, which was back in 2015. We weren't even testing three woods back then. Really? Yeah. Our first three wood test included the titleist 917s. Yeah, so once again, just goes back to the point of, we've always said it with equipment, it's evolutionary generally, not revolutionary, yeah. meaning you very rarely see something that goes to being 10, 15 yards longer than the packets. Sure. It's usually one yard increments when we look at the overwhelming data like when we look at all the data combined and averages it's about a one yard increase per year is what I've seen you know over the years so you're not giving up that much by three or four year old equipment especially if it's dialed in for you and you're super confident standing over it, right Titleist has made good good three woods for years ah, man I still think the hybrids and the fairway woods if they're not the most confidence inducing standing over it 
they're first or second for Absolutely. me. Absolutely, you know. I mean, I'm yeah. playing an old uh, Rocket Ball three that is ancient, oh. but I still hit it well. well so we um, were hitting that this past week. That mm -hmm. thing's legit. Yeah, that goes for miles. It does, and it's <laughs> great. It is, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's got a good shaft in it. It's got an older shaft as well. That, that rocket ball, I still think, would be longer than most ferry wheels now. <clears throat> I, yeah, well, I have cranked it down to like 13 degrees, 13.5 degrees. But, yeah, so it's like cool. a little missile. I can't hit that damn thing. <clears throat> really? No, I'm not strong. They got a stiff shaft, and then you guys have the... There you go. We got a 95X on that. I was in the gym this morning trying to get this. So. <laughs> um, all right, so <clears throat> on to kind of what's been going on inside the facility, uh, what's coming up. We just finished game improvement, irons, the most wanted testing for that. And the winner was the Mizuno JPX 919 Hot Metal. That was the overall winner. And also best for forgiveness. And a new category that we're putting up this year, not because we necessarily love it, uh, but we try to provide all the data and educate people on what we think they should pay attention to. But we also throw bones to those people out there that we know want to know what the longest driver is, iron is, whatever. So we have a longest category. Um, that longest winner for this year in the game improvement iron category is the Tommy Armor Atomic. And it was long and strong. Real, real long and, and we real know, strong. Right? And we know you guys like it out there. That they want to know how far the distance goes. They want the longest one. So it's long, right? Right. Um, but that being said, the seven iron loft is 26 and a half degrees, okay? So to put that in perspective to the average of the field in the test, the average was 29.75. The average difference between one iron and the next is generally four degrees, give or take degree. So basically a whole iron stronger than the rest, which gets us to the point, at what point do you reach diminishing returns with this jacked loft? And Tony, we have all discussed this uh, for years now, right? We've seen this trend happening. And at a certain point you go, well, it's not a bad thing if you can keep, you can make a five iron, basically erase the five on the bottom of the club and put a seven on there if you want. I don't give a damn, as long as you can keep the trajectory and the descent angle at a reasonable, number to where if you have a bunker in front of the green you're not hitting low bullets that will never have a chance of stopping right so what we were seeing was certain irons were doing a pretty good job like pxg xfs where they were getting that cg real far back mm -hmm. strong loft in it and still keeping trajectory pretty you, good you're increasing ball speed without sacrificing launch angle but spin rates launch angles are starting to keep trending down and irons are getting stronger every year yeah i don't know when it's gonna end I mean, so yeah, tony when does this end what i mean seriously i want to ask you a question we're at 26 and a half degrees for a seven iron what is the bottom like where do you think the bottom is for a seven iron where i i mean <laughs> one i mean listen <laughs> until we one get degree to, like, until we've run out i mean there, that, I mean, that's the theoretical limit, and somebody will tell a, a brilliant back, low back dynamic loft story that, that promises higher trajectory. But look, I mean, when we look at the numbers, and hell, our readers comment on this stuff all the time, right? And they're saying, you know, our tests get called bullshit because somebody with a general idea of kind of who knows what they're looking at will look at our data and go, you know, the, the, the launch angle is too low, the spin rate's too low, and the, the really educated ones will, will take it the next step farther and go, these descent angles are garbage. And so, and, but 
unfortunately, the, the next step is there's something wrong with your testing. And what I say is, no, I agree. These launch angles are low and these spin rates are low and these descent angles are low. And while we're at it, these, these peak trajectories are low. And guess what? These are how real golfers hit these irons that have supposedly been designed for them because, you know, you can you can throw loft out of the equation when you go and you work with a reputable fitter. If you go to, you know, somebody no, like no one golfer, does that, guys. Tony. I don't know right, what you're talking you about. Go to, like, look, where you where you go to. I mean, Sam and I have both spent some time at, at, at Oceanside with Titleist and, and I work directly with Glenn. Uh, Sam observed the fitting, and I mean, how many times, Sam, did you hear Glenn say descent angle, right? I mean, over Everything. and over and, and he'll... over again. And when you go, and especially if you're you're doing sort of your unattended self-fitting at a, at a big box store, right, where you're just loading up on the launch monitor, and you're going, hey, that one was long and that one was straight. You're not given any real regard to, yeah, all right, what happens if, if that hits the green and doesn't right, roll well, out, out of a hundred there's an obstacle in front of the green, right? But here's the problem. It's not our problem. It's the golfer's problem because out of a hundred people, let's just go around the room and go, you get a hundred people to go into a typical store and go, Hey, I want to be fit for irons. What is the number one thing they give a shit about when they look on that screen? I want to hit it longer. They only remember the iron that went the farthest. Yes, yeah. They, they want to hit it. Time. Yes. That's and even, it. and look, but even if they're sort of conscious and cognizant of, of things like descent angle and, and dispersion area, and those are they're looking at the small numbers and the small circles, right? At some point, the iron is going to be long enough, right? Where you're like, yeah, but it's really eight yards longer. That but that percentage longer, right? that percentage though, Tony, is as close to 0.0, .0 people in the world as I can think of, and or who are going to overlook that distance. Ex an extreme distance difference. Yeah. So look, the golf club companies are going, hey, we're gonna keep forgiving them what you want, right, until you push back. And there's not been enough pushback, there should be, and it should happen now. Like, stop paying attention to how far an iron goes. All they are doing is taking the number on the bottom and erasing it yeah, and embossing a different number on it. Well, well that's it. Look, almost every golf company, right, says, go see a fitter, go see a qualified fitter, right? And we say go see a qualified fitter, and just like we know, the golf companies know too, the majority of guys are still not going to go see a qualified fitter. And so look, when, you, when you're a guy who's just going to go, or when you're a customer, when you know, right, when you are certain that a large percentage of your customer base is just a guy who's going to go whack balls in a simulator bay, or maybe not even, or maybe not even with a launch monitor, is just going to buy the one he perceives to be going the farthest one or two times you got to feed that beast, right? Because if you don't do it, even if you're going to kind of take that high road and go, no, we're, we're not going to jack loss. Your competitors are going to jack All right, jack so loss. go around. What do you think Sam could fix this problem where golfers stop looking at the launch monitor battles and only looking at distance? Because every year we test, the longest ones for irons are typically really bad for strokes gained scoring. Well, yeah, right? that's kind of what I was going to touch on was that, yes, the Tommy Armour was – by far, on all three irons tested, the longest. It sucks because it feels so good. I like the iron a lot. It feels great. It's no, I'm not going to lie. It face, feels great. Right? It does. It has a titanium face, and it, they brazed it on, so it's got a really good feel. The thing feels amazing. It feels like a damn driver coming off the face. And it's nice when I've been sitting at the desk, and I'm tight, and I go and swing that a few times, and I hit it 185 yards. I'm like, oh, damn, that's amazing. But even you, but right, that's what I'm saying. So how do we but, get golfers off that? Go. No. Good I luck. wish I knew the answer. Good I luck. wish I knew. Good luck. <laughs>
Good luck, right? I mean, I I, I don't know. No that's chance. even something. That's really even don't a know. problem that we struggle but, with in the office is getting the testers to understand. Like, okay, great, we have to move your seven iron distance back so you can test and hit the Tommy Armour right, today. So, but that's not the point. So if golf, if what Tony said is correct, good luck. Then, and you're a golf club company that owns Callaway or TaylorMade or Tiles. Why wouldn't you feed that beast, right? Well, you're making money. I mean, they didn't yeah. care if you hold the green or not. Again, corporate yes. mentality. They're making money off of it. And if you're the company that goes, you know what? I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do Shout it the right way. And then you're losing every launch monitor battle. No one's going to give a shit about your clubs. But, right? I mean, what so happened? it's hard to change the, well, the conversation. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at Mizuno, right? So Mizuno kind of fought this for the longest time, right? By And again, I they have what they call traditional lofts and, and traditional lofts definitely aren't as traditional as they used to be. But some of that is real, right? Design has changed. We've gotten, we have pushed CGs farther back, lower. We are launching higher loft for loft than we used to. But Mizuno also became really aware of the fact that they were getting their asses kicked in a hitting bay because their, their irons weren't jacked to the degree that other companies were. And even with an iron, it's still a distance battle in a hitting bay in, in, Far too many circumstances, for sure. And so now, even Mizuno started offering modern lofts, which All right, is here's yeah, what I you know, a really nice way of saying jack. I mean, there is pros out there that still think six iron, I want my spin rate to be within that 6,000 range. There's still pros out there that do that. Dude, but Pros are 0, 0.0. But every everyone still buys of what pros, pros use on, Here, on Here's tour. how I think it could get solved. I think... If the launch monitor companies put strokes gain value scores into the launch monitors and you went in for iron fittings and you got a strokes gain value score at the end versus just distance and whatever else you got, I think the problem could start to, the conversation could start to trend towards the way it should be. What do you think? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You would still see guys who, who see better strokes gain value with distance irons, right? Those guys are still going to exist. And you're going to see guys who who see better strokes gain value with small compact irons. Those guys will still exist, but the majority is going to be guys who see their best values from, I, I guess, you, you know, the, I, I say traditional lofts, but sort of the, the modern loft of five and 10 years ago versus where we are now where, Hey, controllable ball flight, right? That that's what really works. That's what, that that's what you want into a green. If you, I mean, think about it, right? If I have a green at McGregor that is, I want to say maybe maybe 20 paces wide, long, you know, from front to back, and if you're off the back, you're in a a, a literal hill of shit, you know, just thigh high weeds. There's you, nobody gets up and down. I've been playing there for 10 years. I think I've seen two people get up and down from there in, in 10 years. And if you go into that with a strong lofted iron, knowing that. You know, your only chance is to to land it just a bit short and roll to the back. Man, that you can't you can't play golf like that. Well, that's part right. of the the solution too. I think if for, if Foresight Trackmans and whatever started having strokes gain value for one, but the iron fitting process wasn't just hit hit hit. Yeah. There was a bunker in the front, and you had to actually get it over and have stopping power to get a tighter circle closer to that uh, pin. That becomes part of the the other part of the solution because it's not just okay, let's give a strokes gain value. Part of the strokes gain value is scoring better scores. And to do well, that, you actually have to really do it on golf course-related look, feel, not just driving well, range, and that's, you know? So when, when I fit guys, you know, I, I narrow it down, right? And my process involves getting guys down to the head that they're pretty sure they like and 
two, maybe three shaft choices, right? We've whittled it down. And then once we get to that point, I go find a projection of a golf hole that has a little bit of trouble in the front, maybe, maybe a pond on the right, bunkering, right? So that, you know, even if it's not actual real golf on the golf course, you do start to understand that these misses aren't just, oh, hey, I'm, so I was six yards more offline. Well, you were six yards more offline, but you were in a pound. Well, or golf's not, golf's not played stand or, over or, ball, whack ball. Golf is played like stand over ball. Look at what you have to deal with, you know, with conditions and greens and grass and all that stuff. And you got to make a sh exactly. actual freaking consequence. That's golf. Yeah. And more people that do fittings across the country should figure out a way to do strokes gain in there and also do consequential or consequence based fittings you and know also educating the the guy that's getting fit you know like like tony was saying when we were at oceanside i'm watching this master fitter talk this he's like an 11 year old phenom and the kid did not want to get rid of his five iron he was like dude your descent angles are too low you have to trust me i'm a professional he was like okay fine put him in a hybrid he's yeah he was hitting great shots he was hitting 150 yard 160 yard five irons with a descent angle of 45 degrees and he's like there you go you're gonna start hitting par fives and two and you're gonna have a lot more fun playing but the golf. majority of people have access to a guy that gets paid ten dollars an hour that might have been trained for two weeks if that with golf equipment and fitting yeah that's that's well what, and that that's i mean that is the thing right we 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 say fitting, like go and get fitted is the answer. But the reality is there are tremendous discrepancies and, and differences between, like you said, there are, you know, guys who are who are part timers at Dick's who, who may or may not be fully trained. They may be really good. They may not. And then you have the level of something that you would get if you go to to Oceanside and, and work with Titleist directly or or Callaway at, at the Ely Callaway Performance Center or even like cool clubs for sure. Right. That that level of service, that level of knowledge and expertise, it's, I mean, it's a tremendous chasm between sort of starter fitting and, and sort of absolute premium best of the best. So, well, it's kind of yeah. a, it's one of the features that I love about True Golf Fit because when people go, well, what about this? What about that? And I'm going to think about it. They're like, can it fit as good as a human? I go, let's say you went to 10 different people, 10 different golf shops that did fittings and you went for a driver fitting or an iron fitting. How many different recommendations do you think you're going to get out of 10 different stores? Six different irons, probably? No, I mean, right, everybody. So every every fitter or most, right, have, have some kind of bias, right? They've had, let's say, a guy may have had tremendously good luck fitting guys into Nippon shafts. So you have the bias. You don't know big box, right? There, there's still some spiffing that goes on, right? He may be motivated by his commission check, to fit you into one brand over another, right? There are a lot of things in play here, and that that all has an impact on the final recommendation. So yeah, well, not, I think not if just you go bias. to ten guys, you're not, not going to get. 10, it's not just bias, Tony. Answer. I mean, people have bias, but then you got to understand that a lot of people only have access to maybe three different types of irons, like KZG and Ping. And yeah. then you've got hey, golfers get tired; they can't hit twenty different styles of irons, so. Every fitting is, you know, like you said, we tell you to go get fit, but unfortunately for golfers, getting fit means a lot of different things depending on where you live in the country and the access you have, you know? So back to game improvement irons. Back to the winners, the Mizuno JPX 919 Hot Metal. These are what we think you should try on your demo <clears throat> list. Yes, we do think you should try the Atomic Armor Atomic if you want distance. And two other irons that were interesting that we think did really well in our test were the Cobra F9 Speedback mm -hmm. and the PXG 
0311XF. So I think, there, I think we probably should throw in the TaylorMade M3 as well. That one was kind of surprising M5. for me, really. Yeah. Was it? It yeah. was. The, yeah. Excuse me. M5. Sorry. Yeah. It was M5 surprisingly was consistent across all three irons. Yeah. And it no. Did really I mean, well. excellent. Just, and... just right there in the conversation for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so demo list. Add the M5. Yes. Um, the speed back was really good. I mean, it was extremely accurate in the short iron. I think it, it, it ranked up near the first in the short one, iron. Cobra? The Cobra it, is that the regular back. length or one length? That's the re that's the variable length. So, yeah. And then be aware there's two the, different ones out there. The long iron and the mid iron did really well for distance. It was competitive with the distance. And then the PXG 0311XF does exactly what it's designed to do. And it's supposed to be – the XF stands for extremely forgiving. It was Extreme top five in ball speed consistency, top five in carry yard consistency, and top five in total yards. So it's just a damn good iron. That's and that's one, as, as Sam mentioned, when you look at the numbers on that, you know, especially on an individual basis, which we like to do rather than just the the big group averages that that we publish for the for the masses. But that one is as close to to living up to the the billing of yeah, it's it it is stronger lofted, but it launches high. And again, right. If you look at purely the spin numbers, you're going to say, oh, it doesn't spin enough. But again, descent angle and peak height, all of that play a role. So it, it launches higher than most. Descent angle steeper, and that makes up for some of the spin that, that goes away with the with the yes. strong fall. So, so I just, if, you're really there, just, if you're out there going to get fit for irons, add those to the list. The, the Mizunos, the Tommy Armor, the PXG, the Cobra, and the M5 from yep. Taylor. Taylor M5. Uh, those were our top five. And that takes us to the final segment today. And this is going to be Harry's. So uh, we just finished testing push carts. Why is it that in America there is no push carts to be seen? In 95% of Europe, people in Europe either walk or use a push cart. So the people that talk with rocks in their mouths use these 95% of the time. My club exactly. doesn't allow them, so that's my excuse. Really? This this is what I've yeah, heard. No, it's See, this is, weird. this is one of the this is one of the. The debates that why is clubs not allowing push cards? Is there a persona heard, on that? I talked to people in the industry today about that. So first of all, my opinion of why we don't use them, unfortunately, is because I think Americans think they look stupid using them. They look, you know, corny. Right. Like, which, well, I mean, some view them as a crutch, right? A, a real man or a real woman would, yeah, would carry his or her bag. And like, yeah, I think Sam's you, right. A real, a real jackass would put unnecessary load on his back. <laughs> 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 The, yeah. th the thing is, that's, is that's I, what, I, literally what a mule is for. <laughs> I, I grew up. That's, that's a very good point. So why, literally. Why turn yourself into a donkey? <laughs> I think Sam's right. I think ego's part of it. But I was talking to people in the industry today, and they were like, did you know that a lot of courses don't allow it? And I said, why? And he said, well, they're mostly country clubs, and they think it makes us look like we're a municipal course, meaning like it looks cheap. And I, I was shocked by that. Yeah, well, and then Sam said his course doesn't let him. Well, my my club doesn't allow them because the owner says they're unsightly. He if if he allowed push carts, they'd be the whole course would be ridden with them. He's got a point because most of the guys at the club walk. You know, I've got a group on Saturdays. Well, they, they have walk. no choice. But then he's also got a lot of money in Harry's club, and I think he's got he's on the board or something. And there, everybody has push carts there. Everybody uses them. There's no well, problem. So there. here's the thing: is there are well, courses in America that are just resort courses and. It, it's like a six-mile course if you decided to walk it. And then you factor in the heat. There, is, I can see why you have carts, like uh, what we call buggies, and you, and you use those because they're not walking courses. You're going to take five or six hours to go play if you walk it, plus okay. you're going to get tired. 
In England and in Europe, they are more walkable courses where you don't need a buggy as such. And you can just have a nice, pleasant walk around there. Do you know how many times... I mean, my course, I walk every weekend. Do you know how many times I'm walking down the 7th fairway? I'm like, damn, I wish I had a push cart right now. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, just simple question. Doesn't a push cart make it easier to yeah. carry a bag? Yeah, we got plenty of testers who are part of a, 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 an afternoon group, and everybody to, pushes. Did you go to school like with all your books stacked in your arms and carrying them around school like this, or did you put them in no, something that No, and my dad's a chiropractor and made me have a rolling backpack. <laughs> you had... <laughs> so Sam had a push but cart. That explains so much. <laughs> explains oh, so much. Wow. Sam had a push cart in school. I did. So, like, I... I want to just jump in here and tell you, like, my experience is, is completely different. Now, I'm, I'm up here in the Northeast, so maybe there's a demographic thing at play. But, again, it, my course, the, the overwhelming majority of people walk. The overwhelming majority of those who walk use push carts. And the guys who don't, who, who neither walk with the bag on the back or use a push cart, the riders, the majority of those guys do it for some sort of legitimate, almost like medical reason. Either they're... They're older, or I mean, one of the guys who takes a cart uh, only has one leg. So that's, I mean, that's a legitimate reason not to push a cart. But I mean, it, I don't want to say it's frowned upon because it's not like we're out there making fun of the guys in carts. But the majority of the membership, we have a, a majority walking and, in fact, a majority pushing membership. Now, I mean, at this point, why would you carry a bag over using a push cart? I mean, it makes it easier. You conserve energy. And if you conserve energy, I would think theoretically you would shoot better scores overall. I mean, why are people only, I mean, you're, you're not see, using you're, these? You're seeing it. Um, the NCAA's, the, the finals that just yeah. happened. There was a and team you, out you there that just used a push cart. And, into those guys, like, and guess know. what? They, they ended up being... But guys on Twitter, guys, guys on Twitter lay into people for anything. I mean... This is true. The only well, thing that Twitter. I could see... Twitter's a which, shit show, man. The only thing that I can see would be better about carrying than pushing a cart is that if you have, it depends on the kind of course you're playing, but sometimes carrying is a little bit more accessible to where if you need to go, you know, if you have a lot of hills, like I just played in a tournament last weekend and it would honestly be kind of difficult to push a cart. You would pretty much have yeah, to Yeah, electric one. Well, you, well, no, not, not push it, but just like get it to places like all of these greens, they had these tiny little bridges you had to walk across. So, I mean, yes, it would be nice. That, to just, that would be the outlier, wouldn't you that's say? That's what I'm though? saying. It's, that's the only reason it's a very small it's kind of well, you do. Process. I mean, you do have a lot of courses in this country. I mean, even one right down the road from me that not technically a resort course, but was built with sort of that resort mindset. And I think Harry mentioned it where some of the holes are not exactly close together. And if you're I mean, it's a it's a three minute drive. And if you've got to walk it, it's it's 10 minutes between holes on foot. And I mean, if you're dealing with a sport that already has a pace of play, it, it was sort of the last thing that was considered or something that was given no consideration was you know, can this, is this course able to be walked? And a lot of times the answer is no. And not I for anything, there, there, oh, there, there are money. Oh, there is money. Our coach would not allow us to bring a push yeah. cart. And, and, and yeah. I was, I, I came from, obviously, England, and I used one since I was 12. And I got to a point where I was pretty happy with my game. And, it, and I went to carry, and I, I shot worse scores because I was getting tired. And, Obviously, in, in Europe, it's a bit more hilly. Um, and it, I was walking up a hill 
and I was tired carrying. But yeah. having a push cart, you're saving a little bit of energy so you can focus mentally down the stretch. Yeah, it's it's crazy. People, the just the rationale for why people make certain decisions, right? But for whatever reason, Americans don't want to use push carts. But you well, know, we're gonna start- and keep in mind too, for for golf courses, renting driving carts is a revenue stream, right? And so, I mean, like I think now, I think. Around me, I would guess it's a minimum two people, right? If you're two guys in a cart, it's a minimum 15 each. I think it's it up now. Most places it's up to 18. So, you know, you can rent rent a cart for $35 plus for, for four hours. You can make some money doing that. So there, there could be, and I'm not saying this is a universal thing, but in certain circumstances, I think it is a, a decision has been made that it's in the best financial interest of the golf course to sort of encourage people to ride. Then, you I know, can send you, send me one of those, uh, send me one of those LA ATVs, and I'm riding every day. All right, but here's here's my here's my here's my uh, devil's advocate to that, Tony, and that is if the person doesn't pay for the cart and walks, why decide not to use one of these? Yeah, I no no rational reason I can think of, and in fact, if you look like Hazeltine is a great example, right? So, well known course, certainly. Uh, certainly prestigious they allow push carts and in fact the the members are from what i've read encouraged to actually push them on the greens because what they found was if you sort of just you know funnel people a certain way you have excessive wear and tear on a narrow area where if you just say hey exit like you would on foot right because nobody thinks twice if you you have your bag on your back and you walk across the green you're actually distributing that weight better with a push cart anyway so i mean there's an encouragement there in some places, and the fact that Sam's saying where you guys are, you know, it looks stupid or whatever, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, I, right, just, I mean, just to sum up, I mean, I mean if, who are you trying to oppress out there anyway? Like, who are you trying to, is there a Tinder date out there? Like, are I you, don't know, some, maybe? Maybe? Possibly? Well, I mean, yeah. just swipe right up, on push just, cards. <laughs> What's if, that? Swipe right on push cards. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to do that. All right, so that being said, we're obviously saying they're important, right? Yeah, definitely. So definitely which one important. should people be looking at? At least trying, what brands, what models? Uh, Bag Boy has a good um, array of models that are very, very good. Uh, Big Max is obviously a huge leader in the in Europe, and they have various amount of models to to offer you guys. Click Gear. Click Gear is always very, very good in in USA. I mean, there's it's there's the models out one. there that are getting better and better every year. What's that, Tony? So is is again? I have a unique situation, right? My home course drains really well you can dump a ton of rain on it and still play it but it is super sandy and what i've found using anything but a clip gear is they just don't hold up when the dirt or the sand kind of gets into the in-between spots the clip gear and even those you know i don't get the life out of a cart that somebody else probably would but i can i can get three years plus out of a clip gear anything else i've tried a couple other brands it's it's a season and then there's just too much sand everywhere that that is a good point depends Mm -hmm. on where you play in the conditions but the bag boy won our testing. It was between that and the click gear, I think. And the oh, tricycle is awesome. It just doesn't. The durability, in my opinion, having used both, it's certainly. And, and again, the conditions in which I play doesn't. Especially, hold yeah, I was like gonna it. say, especially where you're heading on the course. I mean, I've, I play a course right <laughs> now, and I use the twi- uh, the tricycle. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I use the bag boy tricycle, and just we have a lot that. of sand. <laughs> we have a lot of sand. If, and if you and didn't hear gets, what Sam said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I gotta go back to that. 
follow Tony. Is, are your Arcos diaries somewhere <laughs> people can follow? No, I mean just on just on Twitter. Back when I used that shithole. Dude, we should we should um, there should be Arcos diaries. Like no, that yeah, would be no, funny. Uh, if you could go back I and have, follow. Dennis. I have I have new sensors. I've got just about made my club decisions for the year. I'm wishy washy on a couple of things because I'm insane. But I will have the Arcos sensors back on them, and I'm sure they will. The the maps will have some clever stories to tell. Although I hope I hope with the drivers I pick out this year, I find myself in a few less interesting spots over the Just course. Just take of the, a picture of, of your push cart after the round every time, and we'll know where you've been. <laughs> His push yeah. cart gets ticks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I played out of last three. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, bag boy, click gear, Big Macs. So click gear if you're an accessory person. Yeah, like, dude, wide array. Put anything. They they wrote an article about it like what four or five years ago. It's like thirty five different accessories he wrote about for yeah. your carts. Yeah. So, um, anything else on the push carts for anybody? Push cart mafias. Throw trending. ego out the window. Yeah, throw ego out the window. I mean, if you don't, if you're, yeah, you're don't people, your people grew up with uh, <laughs> with push carts, and like, we are beating you in the Ryder Cup every year, so wow. they might have. Something Ooh. to do with it. I'm just Ooh. gonna throw that one out there. <laughs> That's early, man. It's Shut early. Ryder Cup's not until next year. Imagine, Tony, what, I, imagine what he might have to say when the marbles come out of his mouth. Jesus. <laughs> As Tony said it, say it one more time. I think you said it best. When it comes to push carts, don't be a donkey. Bingo. And that's the end of No Puds Given today. Thank you all for listening. And until next week, you know, put your comments, whatever you want below. We'll read some of them probably. Some of them, not so much. Uh, might delete them. Uh, if you've got something you want us to discuss next week, we might ban you too. Um, put it down in the comments section, and we'd uh, love to hear what you think. So until next week, talk to you then.